What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. are listening to The Therapy Podcast with your host, Shloimi Balsam. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Therapy Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about competency, how to be a competent therapist, and specifically on how to identify what a competent therapist looks like. If you want to become one, or if you want to know if the person you're talking to is competent. Okay, so what does the word competent mean? Yes? Competent means having the necessary ability, knowledge, or skill to do something successfully. That being said, we now need to identify what does it mean to be successful as a therapist. As I'm sure you can understand, that is going to change and vary depending on each client. Success can be defined as reaching your goal. And every client, every person walking into therapy, into therapy has different goals, different things that they want to achieve. A competent counselor is able to work with clients to help them understand themselves, who they are, their relationship with themselves and with others more deeply, and to be able to use that information that you extract in therapy to make better, healthier, more proactive, productive, positive decisions. In order to be a competent therapist, this field requires a baseline understanding of psychology and therapeutic theory. That being said, there are professional codes of ethics on competence, and they all have some common themes. Uh, Counselors practice only within the boundaries of their competence. You cannot be helping someone 
if you're not qualified to do that. In fact, if you have a guy who is the electrician and he shows up and he wants to run the plumbing in your house, chances are he's going to do more harm than good. So, know whether you whether you are an electrician or a plumber and then go ahead and go you go do your job as best as you possibly can. We have to know, we have to know what you are qualified to do. As important as it is to know what your flaws are, a wise man once said, it is far, far worse to not know what your positive attributes are. What are you good at? In this case, we're going to be focusing on knowing what you are not able to tackle. And uh, that's the first stage of of growth, yeah, of, of therapy. If you're going to be helping people, you have to know what you can't do. And uh, simultaneously, know what you can do and sharpen, polish, work on that. Build that up and turn that into something special and something effective. Even if it's something small, it, th that's what you are. Um, I wouldn't say that every therapist has to specialize and has to have a specific niche niche his his thing you know you could be a vague therapy and a uh, therapist and deal with whatever people need to work with however there are big advantages of having your name associated with a specific issue and the sooner you can identify what you are best at dealing with be it marriage uh therapy group therapy uh drug abuse um ptsd or any specific style of therapy that you could associate yourself with, then go ahead and and polish those skills, the ones that you connect with, the ones that you can offer, and offer the best, highest quality product that you possibly can. In order to know what your boundaries are, that's based on your education, training, the, the experience that you've had, you have to have credentials, you have to have your license, and the appropriate professional experience. There are two ways to find out, to assess your or some, or some other therapist's competence levels. That is through formative and summative evaluations. So let's identify uh, and explain what these two are. Formative assessments... That's a developmentally informed process that provides useful feedback during one's training and throughout one's professional career. This is an assessment while the training is in progress. The summative assessment, that's an, an endpoint evaluation, typically completed at the end of a prof professional program or when applying for a license. The way to remember it is formative is when you're forming your skill, your company, your anything that you're assessing, that assessment at that point throughout the year, if you want to uh, assess the, the, the students to find out how your teaching is going along, that would be a formative assessment. How are, How is this program forming results? And the summative assessment is in summation, how did we do? Okay, uh, in order to develop or upgrade a therapist, a therapist's skills, there are different channels and methods that he could go about doing that. He can work with colleagues or professionals who have more experience. 
Um, you can seek consultation before moving outside areas in which you have received education and training. Expand your boundaries. Yes, right now my level of competence is in A, B, and C, but if I can work with someone and learn D, E, and F, then I will be a greater, a bigger, um, more advanced therapist. You can learn new skills by attending conferences. You can read professional articles, take courses, participating in workshops. Now, there comes a point when a client sits down and whether immediately or after a few sessions or even after a few minutes, you can realize that this therapist, this counselor is not a good match for this client. And we're going to need to define what makes someone not a good match. And at that point, he will refer this client to someone else. Okay, You may need to make to, to refer a client if the resources are limited in the setting in which you work. So you may also need to refer a client if the boundaries of your professional role restrict you from delivering the services that which your clients need. Um, if there's some personal issue that is infringing on the relationship that you are required that's necessary to build in order to in order to further his mental health that could be a reason to step out to refer him referring a client because of a conflict with your value system is not an ethically accept, accept, acceptable reason for a referral consider a referral as a final intervention after you've exhausted other interventions including consulting you have to speak to everyone before you can actually pass a client on just because we don't agree on things that's not a reason to to uh, ship him out training programs have an ethical responsibility to establish clear selection criteria provide exposure to major contemporary counseling theories teach students strengths and limitations of theories and combine academic and personal learning they also screen candidates to protect the public from incompetent practitioners they teach a range of skills to work with diverse clients you should be able to work with a b c d e f and g provide client they also provide clients training in ethics and what they're allowed to do and what's considered uh unethical when evaluating a character and psychological fitness for trainees in a program, so interpersonal behaviors of trainees have a direct bearing on their cl clinical effectiveness. Therefore, these factors have to be taken into account when you're considering uh, when, when they're undergoing an evaluation process. Character. What is character? That's the honesty, honesty and integrity with which a person deals with others fantastic because um, I would take it a step further I would say that character is the honesty and integrity in which a person deals with himself even not in regards to others unless a, char a character is only an outside representation of the person I think character is an internal thing that's genuinely who he is psychological fitness that's um, another factor that we have to know when you know training in therapists the emotional or mental stability necessary to practice safety and effectiveness. And this is evidenced by the presence of personality adjustment, absence of psychological disorders, and appropriate use of substances. 
A therapist has to be in... He has to be in shape, mentally. There's a gatekeeper, and... This gatekeeper is represented by... The faculty promoting competence. The academic faculty in a professional program generally has a gatekeeper's role, protecting consumers by identifying and intervening with graduate students who exhibit problematic behaviors. The, gate, the, the gatekeeper's role is addressed in the ethics code of most professional organizations, and this is the guy that's going to be um, the principal. He's going to get in the way if someone in the program is not mentally fit. The when a student has good grades but demonstrates standard, um, substandard interpersonal behaviors, that that indicates serious unresolved conflicts and that requires intervention. Something needs to be done. A well-designed gatekeeping procedure appears to improve the effectiveness with which deficient students are identified and prevented from progressing unremediated into the counseling profession. Dismissal from a program, that's last resort. Ideally, we want him to be able to progress in a healthy way, so it shouldn't be an automatic expulsion. A healthy gatekeeper will make sure that everyone in a therapy program who is studying and working and training to help others has the greatest opportunity to do so. As far as certification, voluntary attempts by a group to promote professional identity, attempts to verify qualifications, sets the, the certification also sets minimum standards and does not assure quality practice. It's promoting professional identity. Uh, licensure is, uh, that is professional practice. Highlights, that highlights the uniqueness of an occupation and it restricts both use of title and practice of an occupation. So now the million dollar question. What makes a good therapist? So there are some just personal skills. Um, I would say that a good therapist is made up of 10% training, 10% just a gift, and 80% experience. Maybe like 40 gift and 40 experience. 45, 45? Okay, whatever. Do the math yourself. So, a some of the skills that are necessary for a good therapist, and this is all relative and on a spectrum. So you could have more of one and more of another, less of another. And overall, these are things that you would want to see in your therapist, and things that you would want to strengthen when working to become a therapist. So, number one, you want to have a love for helping others. This is what you're going to be doing all your life. If this is your nine to five, and maybe before or after in emergencies, you have to enjoy what you're doing. And this is a tremendous advantage if you do, because if you get a job you like, you never work a day in your life. You can feel if you enjoy helping people. Um, people will have a hard time opening up and relaxing if they feel like their therapist is trudging through his job and not enjoying it. Uh, number two, a good therapist should have highly evolved listening skills. I read a biography once and you hear 
plethora of adjectives describing great people. And I was fascinated because on the, the back cover, when he was giving a summation of the book and the person who was describing, it said that he was a master listener. And that blew my mind because that's not even something that we strive to do and be. We, we, that, that's not on the spectrum of, of perfection. Like work on your listening skills, but it's, it's vital for interpersonal relationships. A good therapist doesn't give you options or advice. The, their, ascent, their intrinsic job is to listen. And listen very carefully and point out things that they hear. A really good listener. I once asked someone who just struck me as a fantastic listener. Like the world dissolved when you were talking to him. It was just you and him in a bubble. It was incredible. It was it's a real power. And I asked, what's the trick? And he told me that listen to what the person is not saying. Because that's what he really wants to say. And that's what he means when he says the other things. And this leads into the third thing, a good power of observation. You should be able to notice body language mannerisms, especially in gestalt therapy uh, that focuses on mannerisms. The therapist can help you notice these things and, and introduce you to the things that they observe. And so you can be conscious of them. And number four, um, a, a therapist should be easy to talk to. A good conversationalist. You should be open. Um, you should make you feel comfortable as soon as you sit down. It doesn't mean that they are good at talking back. There, there are some rare occasions when a therapist should be disclosing and sharing about himself, but that's, that's only a means of extracting and promoting more talk from the client. A therapist should be authentic or congruent. This is what Carl Rogers stressed, and he, in fact, lied his entire theory of therapy on this one concept, that a real, authentic therapist just sitting and listening, that itself is therapeutic. Uh, a good therapist doesn't try to be perfect or act like he has all the answers. That's just manipulation. His job is to be real, and... If he tries faking, then it's going to slip up and no one can lie 100%. The best liar, the best actor, no one can lie 100%. I think in the medical field, in the psychiatric uh, arena, they stopped giving placebos like a lot. Um, it could be they still do it in, in, in certain scenarios, but a placebo is essentially a lie. We're, we're tricking you and... And lies will always come back. It's, you cannot, you, no one can lie 100%. Number six, reliable. A therapist must be reliable. He should be clear about what the sessions are. Um, if he's canceling, cancels in advance, uh, timely. And you should know what you're getting yourself into when you sit down in front of him. If uh, your therapist does not tell you what the plans are, then it could be he just slipped his mind or he thought it was obvious. I don't know. Um, but you should engage and, and, and ask him. So like, what are we going to be accomplishing? What time? How long are our sessions? When do they start? When do they end? 
things like that. How often? Seven, a person, a good therapist, believes in people. This is hard. And ironically, it's especially hard for a therapist because he sets his entire day hearing about the worst of people, whether it's the client themselves or the effects that they're suffering from their surroundings, the people in their lives worst, the the abusers. And, and, and And sitting through that can really take a toll on an individual. But a person who believes in mankind he won't put you down. He won't criticize. And he won't make you feel bad about yourself. It's unconditional positive regard. Right? That's in, that's in uh, person-centered therapy. He believes that you're worth it. He doesn't think that you're sick or weak or broken. You're a good person. Clients are troubled at worst, going through a tough time, But intrinsically, deep down, bottom line, they are solid. Eight, the therapist should be able to create a healthy environment. Clean. Um, Nine, he should act appropriately with all the ethical boundaries that we've been discussing. And that might take some research, but it's definitely worth it. Make sure that you don't accidentally say anything offensive. And if he does, he should be ashamed of himself, right? People slip up all the time, um, but as long as he understands and and is, uh, tries all his best to avoid that, then that is a healthy, ethical, appropriate person. And number 10, a therapist should accept support him, himself. He should have uh, friends and supervisors and a therapist of his own um, support and healthy outlets keep himself strong so that he can hold other people up i hope that you enjoyed and learned something i know i did feel free to give me a shout out at askmetherapy at gmail.com and i will see you very soon thanks for listening bye-bye for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.